0: Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks, meets the Daily Show, meets C SPAN, so let's get this show started. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ballads and Brews. We are always excited here at Ballads and Brews. We've got a packed show Uh, tonight. We're excited to talk with yet another member of the Shawnee County Legislative Delegation. State Senator Kristen O'Shea will be our guest tonight. Um, So we'll, of course, be talking about really the the hot damn mess that is the Kansas legislature right now. Uh, But before we get to any of that, we are going to start like we always do with beer. And so tonight we are back with one of our favorite guests, our buddy with Strathman Sales. West, thanks for hanging out with us tonight.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We were just talking before we uh, before we went out of air here. You know, the weather's been so nice. I feel like we should be sitting out on a patio drinking a beer right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful outside, isn't it?
0: It's gonna be it's gonna be that time of year before we know it. Before we dive too much into uh, 2022, you know, taking one final look back uh, at 2021. You know, how did things go last year? How did things end up? You know, is the is the industry as a whole? You know, was it a good year? Or are things doing kind of better or worse uh, about the same as years before the pandemic's kind of thrown a wrench in a lot of things. So I'm just kind of curious how the year ended
1: up. Yeah. I mean, if you're comparing 2021 to 2020, um, we call it, the, we call it the pantry year, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, the pantry buying in 2020 that uh, affected, you know, a lot of things, but it, you know, we were, we were slightly down based off of that. But if you, if you look at 2019, which is what we, what we ran our comps against, sure. really, we were up. So uh, overall, the industry seems to be healthy and heading in the right direction. But that those 2020 numbers were really, really uh, (laughs) uh, big numbers to try to climb out of. However, on premise came back, which helped helped a lot. But overall, yeah, uh, up against 2019, but down against 2020.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I, I was happy to do my part in 2020 to, uh, boost those, those numbers up. So you're welcome.
1: <laughs> I think a lot of us helped out in 2020. <laughs> right,
0: absolutely. Well, you know, you know, of course we, everyone knows about, you know, supply chain and, and all that sort of thing. You know, is that for, for you guys, is that, is that having as much of an impact on you with some of those logistical check challenges?
1: Yeah. You know, for, for a lot of different things, we've, we've had a bottle shortage. um, And so we've been getting allocations based off of our volume from the brewery. So we've been able to, to maintain. Okay. Sure. We seem to be almost, they, they think two thirds the way through it. So I think we're almost, we're almost out of it, but can wise, we've been in good shape. What, what, what has happened is as most of you guys realize it's, it's created a little bit of a, a inflation on pricing, basically mm. trying to get ingredients and get it in time in the shipping department. So you'll, you'll probably see uh, you'll, you'll see a, a price increase already. That's hit the market. And um, most of your liquor stores and bars and restaurants. So uh, it's not, a, it's not a huge amount, but it's, it's, it's uh, it's definitely across the board. You'll even see it liquor and wine right now.
0: The cat sat on the sure sure. yeah that's one area for some reason yeah I think of you know, as we all know the cost of everything's kind of going up but I feel like the cost of beer going up is the one thing I'm gonna be okay with like like no price is going up I'm like what is this but beer I'm like okay that's fine
2: <laughs> it's
0: right, right. Yeah. Since works. right. right exactly. I'll do what I have to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll cut out something else but not beer <laughs> right
0: exactly exactly well and of course we have to ask always one of our favorite questions so you yeah, know that one's uh What's new in 2020. Where are some of those those new trends, new releases, those things that we should be on the, the
1: lookout for this year? Yeah, so just recently um, Tallgrass, which uh, is the Revival Brewery, um, they just released uh, Ethos. You guys remember that as a West Coast IPA they did a few years back and also Oasis and ESB, uh, Double IPA, ESB. Those are now in the market now. Um, okay. Here in a couple of weeks, uh, if you're an Oscar Blues fan, uh, Dale's Pale Ale, their, their flagship beer, their going to be making a double dales which is an imperial Ah. version of the dales pale ale so i'm really excited to try it it should be out in a couple of weeks new belgium is going to release uh another another beer in their voodoo series called um juice force Ah. and uh this this one's interesting it's an it's an ipa 9.4 percent but these are so yeah but the IBUs are super low there's like 18 for 18 IBUs so I did get a chance to try this one it's it's crazy it's almost like a aren't like an orange juice IPA kind of it's it's really uh-huh. uh, there's nothing else like it and I it's dangerously good remember when you're drinking it and it goes down like an orange juice <laughs> and it's 9.4 percent alcohol <laughs>
0: I uh i I will- Talk about that next. So I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna report back to you on uh, how that goes because I get, I see myself getting into a lot of trouble uh, with that. It yeah, sounds delicious. Yeah. It's <laughs>
1: dangerously good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's awesome. Well, I see. Yeah, last time we talked about a lot of the you know the variety variety packs a lot of breweries are doing. Is that something you think we're gonna see this year too?
1: Yeah, the all IPA packs are really really popular. I mean, they sell really well. So that's we've already introduced a handful of those. Um, and I'm also starting to see some of these breweries that are uh, alliance partners forming uh, these these variety packs from like multiple different breweries in the same pack. So that's kind of oh, cool nice. as well.
0: That is cool. It'd be cool to have like a Kansas variety pack like That'd be awesome. That would be cool. I agree. Well, of course we are uh, just about a month out from uh, St. Patrick's Day. So you know any, any new releases or any recommendations you have for folks uh, as you're thinking about uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up?
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of breweries have gotten away from the Irish style beers in the spring. Um, we <laughs> have a few. Uh, Breckenridge Irish Stout is one that we sell. Um, of course, our local breweries Blind Tiger and Norseman both have their Irish beer. I know Blind Tigers is available now if you're if you're wanting to go try it at their place and then the Norseman will be available um early March um we did meet with the German Fest people this year so um or I'm sorry, the uh, the Irish Fest people this year, and that they're going to uh, have the St. Patrick's Day parade the weekend before St. Patrick's Day. So I think okay. it's like the 12th, Don't quote me on that, but it's a Saturday before, and they're actually going to be moving that Irish Fest from where they used to have it over at the church, kind of by Celtic Fox, sure. over to the uh, the plaza area where the stage is. So that should be kind of a cool change of pace. Oh, that's
0: awesome! That's gonna that's gonna be fun. Well, it'll be nice to have things back on at St. Patrick's. Day, uh this year too or in that time frame at least
1: yeah i'm excited i mean i think we'll uh it, as of right now it's a go so fingers crossed it numbers stay down and everything's uh good to go but yeah it's looking like the uh i did look it up it's the 12th of march
0: awesome hey very great have you ever done the, the the 5k that they do before st patrick's day here no i haven't <laughs> so i so this is a random side note for everyone but when i started running i didn't re- i didn't never realize the amount of 5ks where you can get beer after Words, I was like, y'all. Someone told me you can get beer for a run. I would have done it a long time ago. <laughs> well, it's like the best deal ever. So I got planned for that this year. That's great.
1: Yeah, and I've never done. I should. I should do it sometime. I like to run as well.
0: Right. Exactly. So, I, know. I was like, I, this. This would have motivated like elementary school angel to run a lot more in PE. If I knew that one day you could get beer for. Like I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Oh man. Uh, well, of course, you know, thinking about spring and warmer weather. So you know, we talk about St. Patrick's Day. You know, any uh, word yet? Any other beer fest? I know tap that is scheduled um, already for for June and tickets are out there do you you think you'll see the return of a lot of those type festivals this spring and summer I think
1: so there's already been a few around the Lawrence Kansas City area already Um, we are we are good to go for tap that as of right now And I think it was uh, June 11th maybe yeah June 11th yeah so that one's good to go now you can buy tickets now Um, I did meet actually with one of my favorite events in Topeka is the German Fest in Oakland yeah um and I did meet with them the week before last, and they're a go to on the week of, the weekend of June fourth and fifth. And that's a really fun one too. They have, yeah. a, you know, they have a, a you know German style bands and music, and and the, it's just a lot of fun. So that's that's a go if you like beer. Back to back weekends in Topeka, the fourth and the eleventh. You you got two great events.
0: Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I, I think you know, it always works out that like, because then usually the zoo have, would always do like brewing at the Zoo well, their things in June. So like every weekend I had excuse to like go somewhere and drink a towel because it's pretty awesome
1: <laughs> i know i don't know if brew at the zoo is going i haven't been in contact with them i don't know if they changed things up or not if they're doing still doing their brew at the zoo event or not
0: yeah, they're always so creative over there, so I'm sure they'll be coming up with something. So, you know, of course, we, uh, you know, mentioned our, our friends at the legislature are, are back in session and, and doing all kinds of things, um, but they have started to poke around a little bit um, in, in terms of some laws that could impact booze. And, you know, they've indicated before that they're interested, you know, after they kind of made uh, to-go uh, to go drinks uh, legal, they started thinking, well, you yeah, know, what else can we do? And so, you know, as you, as you think about that, is there anything that you would like to see legislators take on that you think would be, would be helpful for folks in your industry
1: you know uh, there's there's so many laws that we have a hard time keeping up with a lot of times and then you know there's weird laws like like i can't sell a cider to a bar but i can sell it to a liquor store and the liquor store can sell it to a bar oh yeah (laughs) i mean there's just, there's weird quirky laws like that, which I think are really outdated, but the one that seems to be the one that they're talking about the most is this delivery service, like this drizzly type of delivery service, which I think eventually will pass. And it's one of those, like, it sounds good on paper, but once you open up Pandora's box, I I don't know, you know what that entails afterwards, but I think that's the one that right now is on the docket that they're really looking at.
0: Yeah. You're right. it's one of those things sometimes it's a law of unintended consequences and, and so they so think it's important for them to, to kind of think through and hopefully they get to hear from from lots of people on those kinds of things so that they really kind of understand you know the, all the full range of consequences that come with those kinds of decisions
1: yeah and and, and as, as of right now this is the only one that i think that's even really up for discussion this this year on the docket so sure um I think that that's that's it may pass. i I don't know you know where Kansas is. we're we're a, little, <laughs> we're a little quirky, a little behind the times, i th- I think sometimes, but that that seems to be the one that's getting the discussed the most right now
0: yeah, well, we're gonna have to, to keep an eye on that one for sure. Well, and then of course, uh, you know, final question for today: as people, do you think uh, ahead to spring and summer, and you know, getting out there and taking road trips, that sort of thing? You know, if you had to pick uh, a couple of smaller Kansas breweries uh, that you would recommend for folks uh, to visit around the state, you know, any any recommendations
1: you pass on to folks? Well, I mean, apart from road trips, I'm, I'm partial. I think we have great breweries here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love Blind Tiger. I, I I love what the Norseman guys are doing up there. Sure. Um, there's a, there's a brewery up in Holton now. I don't know if you visited it yet. It's called Wilcott's. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He makes some pretty good beers. Really cool guy. He, uh, he's he got a nice little patio area up there. If you guys, you know, go up on a nicer day, it's a really cool place to go visit. As far as, as, far as hitting the roads, I, I kind of like Wichita's beer scene. You know, oh, okay. they've got Walnut River down there. They've got, you know, Wichita Brewing Company. I really like Central Standard. They're doing a lot of hours. Mm. Um, so the beer scene down there seems to be pretty interesting if you want to make a weekend of it head down that way. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I totally forgot uh, about the folks up there been in Holt That's great. We got the them on sometimes that's in our neck of the woods. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll link you up to. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great brewery, good story, um a good family that opened it and uh so far it's been a lot of fun.
0: That's, awesome. yeah, that's what's been the cool thing to, to look around the state and see that, you know, even even some, you know, really small towns, as I've been looking around uh, the state uh, are, are now uh, sprouting up breweries, microbreweries, that sort of thing in places that I just never would have expected a brewery to, to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh it, you know, it's becoming more and more common that you can get to a decent sized town and there's a, there's a brewery in it now. I mean, think about Topeka alone. You know, 10 years ago, we had blind tiger and now we have you know you know nearly five yeah
0: so, I mean, that's, it's that's a good thing I'm,
1: I'm excited i'm i'm as well
0: awesome well hey Wes, thanks as always for hanging out with us tonight
1: yeah thanks for having me anytime anytime angela
0: yeah absolutely hey for folks sit out there go ahead and stay tuned after the break we will be back with our beer flight of the night you are listening to balance and Brews here on ksf 75 live radio
3: 785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in
0: all right everyone it is time for our beer flight of the night where we recap the latest and greatest happenings in state and local government and boy do we have a lot to talk about so let's go ahead and get started our uh, first beer is actually a holdover uh from last week it is the arpa wheat Um, And that's because the City Council is still grappling with how on earth uh, to spend this $45 million in American Rescue Plan Act dollars that they are due to receive from the federal government. Uh, So Tuesday night was the night for nonprofit organizations and any other interested parties uh, to come and share their thoughts on how those dollars should be spent. And y'all, they did. Uh, There were 13 speakers signed up to represent everything from nonprofit organizations to neighborhood improvement associations to uh, just some concerned and active citizens who wanted to share their thoughts. Uh, the speakers at night even included a former mayor and a former city council member, which was kind of neat. Uh, and you guys, here's the thing, none of these people were wrong, um, all of them made perfectly good cases for how to use these dollars and represented good organizations doing really good work in the community, uh, so that's the tough part the city council finds themselves in is how to use these, again, once in a generation dollars um, in the most effective way. Uh, This is the point at which I have to imagine one of these city council members sits there and and goes, run for city council, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Uh, Now, there there were some themes that came through in all the speakers' talks, and a lot of these lined up with some of those priorities that we mentioned uh, were identified last week uh, when United Way came to speak at the city council. Uh, Child care. Uh, We heard from a lot of speakers on Tuesday about the lack of available child care in our community. Um, In fact, we've lost around 700 available spots for child um, in recent years. It's a big deal uh, for our city. Uh, Several people talked about the upcoming closure of Manchester School um, here in Topeka, which will also leave a big void in our community when it comes to high quality child care. Um, And so we know that that the nationwide that's an issue and we know it's an issue right here in Topeka as well. Uh, We also heard a lot about housing needs, which should come as no surprise. You know, we know going back to local elections, you all remember how much we heard about housing. Uh, Remember the city has that bright shiny new housing fund they just established, Uh, so we heard recommendations about investing some dollars into that fund, which may not be the worst idea in the world, um, as well as other ways that the city can uh, invest in some safe and affordable housing. Uh, we also heard comments about making dollars available for small businesses. Uh, a couple speakers pointed out to uh, that you know there's other cities out there that have used these funds for special assistance programs for small businesses in their community. Uh, small business uh, support is of course always a, a hot topic, but especially because of the pandemic, we're seeing more uh, attention on the issue. Uh, some of those businesses, of course, were left out of those big federal relief programs that first came out. Uh, the city, you might recall, did establish their own local fund for local small business uh, relief last year, so we do have that, but that is a, a continuing uh, discussion for, for many folks. And, and that brings me to our next point. Uh, we did hear one speaker talk about needing to look at this money in the context of all the other uh, pots of money that are available out there. And, and this is a point that Councilman Dobler made uh, a few weeks ago. And It's worth repeating uh, that remember the federal government is making it rain money all over the place uh, with with ARPA. So in addition to the city, the county is also getting their own pot of money. Um, the state has grant dollars that are available through some of their programs. So there's a lot of money going around and it might behoove us to take a look at how those pots of money are being used and maybe do some coordination uh, with each other. Just a a thought, so more to come on, on that. Uh, So what next? Uh, Well, now the city council is armed with all this brand new feedback. uh, So they get to spend another Saturday morning together. I told you, local government is fun. Uh, They are gathering for a work session this Saturday from 9 to 1 to try and come up with a plan for how to spend these dollars. Uh, Now that meeting will not have public comment, but you will have the chance uh, to watch the meeting on the city's Facebook page or on Channel 4. And even better, you get to do it in a snuggie on the couch. Whereas the city council members uh, actually have to leave their house. So uh, points for for you. Uh, The next beer on our flight tonight is the NOTO IPA. Uh, This pertains to one other item the city council discussed, which was uh, setting a date for a public hearing on the topic of creating a business improvement district in NOTO. Um, And yes, I see you raising your hand. What is a business improvement district or BID as the cool kids say? I'm so glad you asked. I know you did, but just go with it. Uh, BIDs are basically organizations formed by private property owners and businesses within a particular city area. Uh, The members of that district pay a special tax that's then used to provide their district with services beyond what local government can pay for itself. Uh, The best example of this is downtown. There is a downtown business improvement district. Um, Downtown businesses pay into that district, and then those dollars are used uh, to fund some of the cool events and activities that happen downtown, um, and also improvements and infrastructure and things like that for businesses uh, in the downtown area. Uh, so there's some legal steps to creating one of these districts. Uh, one of those steps being that there has to be a public hearing so that folks impacted by it can come and provide comment and all that. So the city has, count, uh, has scheduled one of those hearings uh, for March. And uh, this, this is a pretty big step for NODO, and probably a logical one, as they continue to grow, which is also exciting. Um, and it can also mean some bigger things are coming to uh, NODO. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so now we're going to switch things up uh, we're going to switch gears to our friends at the Kansas legislature uh, and first up we have the Apex Porter uh, the Apex here of course stands for Attracting Powerful Economic Expansion Act uh, which of course was abbreviated to Apex as in I assume Apex Predator uh, which would satisfy the legislature's need to both abbreviate things and also use very aggressive metaphors uh, I'm going to go with it though and just so you all know the middle image I have in my head right now is like Governor Kelly out on a safari and it's like her and a lieutenant governor and they're in their little safari clothes with their little safari helmets on uh, except for the lieutenant governor because I don't think he'd like how the helmet messed up his hair and they're like sneaking up on some massive corporation they're gonna get ready to capture and bring it back to Kansas. Um, things are much more exciting in my head, in case you couldn't tell. Uh, really what this is, this is that mega project bill uh, we've talked about on here before. Um, some as yet to be named large company is apparently eyeing the SoFar state as a site for their location. Uh, we are one of two states that are apparently left in the bidding, and so we are both standing in front of Tyra Banks waiting for her to show us whose picture she has in her hand. Uh, whoever this company is plans to spend a crap ton of money uh, wherever they go. for billion dollars uh, to be exact, that's billion with a B. Uh, that would generate, of course, thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of economic impact. Uh, so the Apex bill is all about offering a, a package of tax incentives that could sweeten the deal for this company to choose Kansas. It includes things like a modified corporate income tax reduction for this company, money to assist with employee relocations, uh, all kinds of, of really sweet incentives. And of course, time is of the essence, as well as the governor notified the legislature that they needed this package to be passed by this Wednesday. Uh, to give the Department of Commerce time to make their final offer to the company later this week. Uh, One side note, as the Kansas Reflector pointed out in their reporting, uh, there was some amusing, almost competition or one-upsmanship between the House and the Senate on this bill. Uh, So the Senate passed their version first and then sent it over to the House, uh, where some House members took issue of what they considered was um, sloppy and rushed work on behalf of the Senate. And uh, some House members may have said that the bill coming from the Senate was a, quote, train wreck. Uh, Oh, no, they didn't. Uh, Y'all be glad there's like a rotunda between those two chambers because someone was about ready to throw hands over this people are getting a little feisty. Uh, But anyway, both both chambers were able to work out their differences and pass on a bill that went to the governor for her signature. Um, And now we just get to sit back and wait to see if this mystery company decides to offer us their final rose. Uh, And last but certainly not least, we have the redistricting sour. Uh, And sour is about the best beer choice we could come up with to describe the absolute cluster that was voting on redistricting this week. Uh, So this is a recap. After sending the gerrymandered wonder that was the ad Astra to back to the governor for her approval, the governor promptly said nope and vetoed it. Uh, So what's the legislature to do? Uh, Well, they can't override the Governor's veto, which takes a two-thirds majority of both chambers to accomplish, Um, and so this week they set out to do just that. Uh, On Monday, the Senate took up the veto override motion, and this is where the fun begins. Uh, Come with us on this journey. Uh, So, for the math challenge out there, including myself, uh, it would take 27 votes in a Senate to override the governor's veto. Um, After an initial vote was taken, they were at 25 votes, uh, with a couple Republican senators actually voting no and two senators missing. Uh, Those missing senators prompted a motion for something called a call of the House. Now what this motion does is it essentially locks down the chamber. Um, Senators are not allowed to leave the chamber or actually even get out of their seat uh, without getting permission from the presiding officer. Uh, so that is right, there were moments when the chair recognized the senator from such and such and the senator had to ask if they could use the bathroom or get their phone charger or as one senator eloquently put it, to go number one. Uh, yeah, things devolved into uh, into kindergarten real quick. Uh, true story, I actually had a class in high school where you could go to the bathroom when you needed to but you had to take like a literal timer with you. Uh, did anyone else have that and the thing would actually go off if you spent too much time? Uh, um, which was super weird, uh, especially for people have, that have anxiety, that's super weird, y'all. Uh, anyway, uh, so the, the whole reason for this uh, is that a call of the House is meant to find the senators who are missing in order to bring them back to the chamber to vote. Uh, now here's what really happens. One of those senators, a Democrat, was actually out for a planned doctor's appointment, and of course we, we know how she would have voted. Now the other senator, who is a Republican, got to be a participant in this little game that's played. Uh, so you see, in votes like this, where uh, you are just a few votes short of what you need, a uh, call the House, where people are held captive, uh, allows leadership a perfect time to try and twist some arms and get people to change their vote. Uh, so, leadership will often pick a member of their party to go missing for a time um, in order to uh, make a call the House motion and buy time for. A leadership to try and change some votes uh, so while senators were sitting there catching up on the day's wordle or wondering how to Uber Eats dinner to the Senate chamber uh, leadership was working behind the scenes to try and get the votes they needed uh, y'all it did work uh, after almost three hours of this the uh, missing Republican senator reappeared and the call was lifted and the motion was voted down uh, so yay all is well right well not quite um, and in the Senate, you can actually move to reconsider a bill to vote again on it within 24 hours. Uh, which also, funny side note, so after the call, the House was lifted. Uh, all that was left to do, of course, was adjourn for today. Adjournment is normally a very like there's no excitement about adjourning for today. Uh, well, after the call was lifted, Senate Republicans immediately moved to adjourn. And I say immediately, like the quickest motion I've ever seen, which, then uh, kicked off the most chaotic and contentious vote on a motion to adjourn uh, I have ever seen. So why was that? Well, think about it. If you have 24 hours to move to reconsider something, that means you can move to reconsider it immediately before the other side has time to reorganize and find more votes. And that's just what Republicans were trying to do there. So they were trying to bring that motion up right away before Republicans could uh, manage to twist some arms and find more votes. Um, But unfortunately, it did not work. And y'all, that was just Monday. That was just the first day of the week. Uh, So then we get to Tuesday and the vote comes up again. Um, At this time, one of the no votes, Senator Mark Steffen, uh, magically became a yes vote to help them get to the majority they need and the veto override is passed. Um, But wait, how do you go from a no vote one day to a yes the next? Um, Surely it was a, a deep matter of principle and conviction that required hours of agonizing discussion and debate where the Senator finally relented after carefully considering all arguments and then decided to change his vote or it could be that leadership cut you a deal that saved your ass from being investigated by a state agency and allows your medical quackery bill to proceed. Yet remember Senator Stephen is the same Senator that proposed a bill in committee that would allow you to use America's favorite horse pace to treat COVID-19. It just so happens right before the second redistricting vote on Tuesday, uh, the Senator's bill got advanced through committee through a maneuver called gut and go. Uh, Now, this is different than Puke and rally, mind you, but it's actually maybe closer than you think. Uh, Essentially, a gut and go allows you to strip out the contents of one bill that has made it through committee and substitute in another bill's contents, thereby bypassing the committee hearing and voting process and letting it go straight to the floor. Um, And that's just what the committee did. They took another bill that was, I think, related to pharmacies or something like that, uh, stripped out the contents and inserted Stefan's bill. Uh, Mind you, his bill also prevents doctors who prescribe or hydroxychloroquine for being investigated or sanctioned. People like him who are actually under investigation right now by the Kansas Board of Healing Arts. Um, And here's just the the chef's kiss of it all. Uh, The bill was also amended to add a provision that would allow children to be exempted uh, from any vaccine required uh, for school. So saying that again, it would allow kids the opportunity to be exempted from any vaccine requirement for schools. So not just a COVID vaccine, any vaccine. Do y'all want measles? Cause this is how we get measles. Uh, so just to make it clear, the vote needed to override the governor's veto of this BS map was obtained by essentially gambling with the lives of Kansas kids. Uh, and just uh, just to put a fine point on it too, just to really rub in uh, how uh, how this all went down. So after the senator after the Senate votes for the second time on the veto override, senators have a chance to explain their their vote or make any kind of statements they want to. And Senator Stefan stands up and proceeds to just excoriate this bill and talks about how this map is terrible and how he hates the idea of Lawrence being added to the first congressional district. And yet, he voted for the map. top-notch work right there, folks. Uh, on Wednesday, the House took up the vote, and they subsequently passed the override as well. Uh, but not before having to bring back one of their members who is sick and literally on oxygen, uh, so that they could have all the votes they needed. And so. There we go. I'm sure that map will be coming to a courtroom before you know it. Um, and there you have it. It has, it has been a week, uh, y'all. I hope you're d- drinking something strong right now. Uh, but, or, or if not, you will now. Uh, go ahead and stay tuned. Uh, after this break, we'll be interviewing State Senator Kristen O'Shea. Um, so you don't want to miss that. You are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KCES 75 Live Radio. All right, folks. So, well, we are back and continuing our conversations with members of the Shawnee County Legislative Delegation. Uh, tonight, we are so excited to have on State Senator Kristen O'Shea, representing the 18th State Senate District here in Shawnee County. Kristen, thanks for, for hanging out with us tonight.
3: Yeah, glad to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, things uh, have certainly gotten off uh, uh, to with a bang uh, in the legislature uh, this session. And, you know, we were just talking earlier, you've got one year under your belt so far. So, you know, as we get started this year, Were there any uh, any surprises or anything as the session got started?
3: Yeah, as we get started, I'm reminded how much I enjoy spending time with all the people here, you know, all sides of the all sides of the aisle. Today I've got pages with me, you know, the, the office staff, the lobbyist, everyone's here to make Kansas better. And so it's a really uh, fun environment to be around. Also, I'm always uh, shocked and reminded how much uh, information there is to take in, bills to read, uh, constituents' thoughts to read, and just lots of information to digest
2: absolutely
0: yeah it's funny we were just talking with uh with jesse bourgeon uh, last week about how nice it was to have some normalcy back in the capital have people back in the building and and whatnot so it's exciting for sure great uh well you know as you think about the the session so far you know, what's been the most challenging aspect uh, do you think as you've kind of started
3: yeah i think um so, uh, bills are in like a 2-year term or cycle. And so, a lot of the bills that we are jumping back into, we maybe had a hearing on last year and now we're working them. So there's a lot of uh, having to think back on what was done, talk to people again, and get a little bit more educated about what's going on. We're continuing to see the effects of COVID and uh, that impact and ARPA funds, right? the federal funds that have come to level. And so, it just adds a new, a different complexity to all the conversations. Oh, absolutely.
0: I was going to say, there's definitely no shortage of, uh, of issues uh, to work and, and that sort of thing. So we're actually going to talk uh, about a couple of those issues um, that I know you've been working on these last few weeks. Um, one is something that actually just occurred the other day uh, on the uh, Public Health and uh, Welfare Committee that I know that you get to serve on? Um, so uh, one of your colleagues um, on that committee, uh, Senator Mark Steffen from uh, Reno County Hutchinson area, Um, He has actually proposed a bill uh, that would allow for the use of off-label drugs for the treatment of COVID-19. and So this has been a bill, of course, that's been working its way uh, through committee. Uh, During the committee hearing uh, this week, however, um, they actually were able to amend his bill uh, through something called a gut and go. That, For folks listening out there, that's when you essentially strip out the components of one bill uh, and insert the components of another bill. Um, And it's kind of a way that you can fast-track legislation without having to go through the full uh, hearing process, committee process, uh, and that sort of thing. And, and when they did that, they also amended the bill uh, to now allow uh, kids the option to opt out of any vaccine requirements at their schools without um, any requirements at their schools. So you were a lone Republican on the committee who kind of questioned uh, this maneuver. Can you talk about uh, your, your concern there? And are you worried kind of more broadly that this cut and go maneuver is something that's going to get used, uh, that's being abused perhaps?
3: Yeah, it just, it was a, it was a disappointing day. I was frustrated with how the process went for sure. Um, the first bill had a lot of concerns and, um, I had spent a lot of time talking to people. I had a little bit of merit and so it was worth diving into more, um, you know, as slow amendments came and then this bill came through and I was surprised that I was the only, um, there was only three of us on the committee that voted no. Uh, and I, I fully intend to keep questioning and And um, doing my best to make sure that we go through a correct, if we're going to hear this legislation and vote for it on the Senate floor, we need to digest it better as a committee. And so the gut and go process, I remember when I first heard about it, it really concerned me. But I was told, and I do think this is true, in many instances, uh, it's the it allows for the ability for the minority party to um, have something come to the floor, have something be voted on. And so there are instances where it allows for a voice, and then there are instances in this case where, you know, I think it circumvented uh, a healthier process, and that's unfortunate. Sure. Well, you know, I
0: think someone uh, commented on this in the committee, too, you know, uh, have you noticed since, because now everything is um, essentially uh, live, you know, on YouTube and that sort of thing, people can watch committee hearings, watch floor sessions. Uh, Do you think that's played any impact on on how things go in in committee or how people conduct themselves or things that they think about as they're they're, uh, uh, talking about bills and and listening to testimony and that sort of thing?
3: That's a good question. I... I don't know that I have an opinion on that just because I, as I came in last year, all of, we, everything was YouTube, everything was digital. And I, as I understand it, the years before, it wasn't like that. So I've never seen it the way it was before. And so I just don't know that I have a, a strong opinion on, on that case. Although, yeah, there was a comment for those of you listening online. And I thought, oh, interesting. Like how... It just—it it was interesting. I and sometimes we do say something like that for those listening online because we realize there's a bigger audience.
0: Sure, absolutely. As adds, adds another dynamic to those to those conversations for sure. Right. Uh, so now, of course, we have to talk too about the the redistricting battle uh, that happened uh, this last week. I, I am so glad that you were now able to leave your seat finally uh, after that <laughs> after that session the the other day. Uh, so of course, as, uh, folks out there uh, who follow us on social media know we've been talking about. Uh, this, the vote that happened this week to override the governor's veto um, on the, the redistricting map uh, that went through the legislature, and of course uh, the House voted on that uh, yesterday. And so that veto you know, has now been overridden. Uh, you were one of the folks who voted in favor of overriding the veto in the Senate. Could you talk a little bit about why your vote, uh, why you chose to vote that way?
3: Yeah, the the redistricting process. You know, some people believe it's been happening since the summer or so, but it's really been happening for two years. Um, there's ample amount for public input. The, I'm, I'm not on the redistricting committee, so I don't know the nitty-gritty details. But they um, went around and asked for public input, and then spe- specifically these congressional maps, um, unlike the Senate and House maps, have to be very, very um, lacking in deviation. So you don't want to be a hundred people off, or it could really throw off the map. So that's one of the components, um, and then the public input is a component. And it, it's crazy how much uh, legal legal thought goes into all this in terms of what, what is going to be seen as legal, what would, what will get challenged. Um, and so, you know, I guess it's a matter of the committee's done their work. They've looked at these maps and, um, you know, a super majority on both sides voted for it. And so, uh, that's my vote as well.
0: Sure. Did, uh, did you did you receive a lot of uh, a lot of public uh, input yourself from constituents uh, as you got ready for that vote?
3: I received quite a few emails. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely concerns. Um, both sides of the aisle. And that's what's unfortunate to me is that these maps tend to be so partisan. Um, and I, I don't know that one party could ever draw a map that the other party would agree on and vice versa. And so that's, it's a little bit harder to have a conversation with people because, uh, people tend to get pretty defensive on this topic. Sure. Sure. Sure.
0: Well, you know, the last issue that we'll talk about, too, so you also sit on the Senate Education Committee, um, and that committee is hearing, um, among many things, um, a bill that would allow the creation of these uh, education savings accounts uh, for Kansas students. Could you uh, talk a little bit more about uh, what those would be, and and do you think that that's uh, a good idea that the state should pursue?
3: Yeah, that was a topic that got brought up last year, and I... I have not seen the bill yet this year, but I would believe that it could be coming. The idea is that, um, you know, if we have X amount of of money that we send for each public school for each student, that money could follow the student no matter where they want to go. And I think um, as I've really studied this and listened to constituents on both sides of the issue, I've learned that. You know, we as as a public school, um, the state creates a whole bunch of requirements, and so we either need to lessen the requirements for them or increase the requirements for private schools. Otherwise, it's just an unfair it's just an unfair playing field. And I think, um, again, we can't we can't expect to regulate one group that we're giving money to and not another group that we're giving money to. And so that's the way I see it. We we would need to... Uh just have conversations about what we're requiring of the schools if if we were to do something like that
0: sure and I, and I know that was something that the the state the state treasurer who I know is going to be the one that's kind of a, would be the one in power to kind of create these accounts I, I know he had some concerns about the kind of oversight process from his side the fiscal side as well as so, you know making sure that you have the correct audit procedures and and that sort of thing for this money going out too so there's lots of moving pieces to something like this
3: right yeah how do the, how does the money how do we know if the money's falling the child or getting put in a different account. You just don't know.
0: Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, of course, these are just a, a sampling of, uh, of the issues uh, that are that are coming up. You know, is, there, uh, is there anything coming up that you're especially looking forward to, to taking on or to, uh, to discussing as the session rolls on?
3: Yes. I am excited about a number of different things. One that's been really special. Last year, about this time, I had a constituent come to me, and her name is Sarah, and she's deaf, and her husband is Deaf, and um, two of their kids are hearing, and two of their kids are deaf. And so she comes from that community. And we, she wanted to update the statutes to um, using the term deaf or hard of hearing rather than using the term hearing impaired for okay. deaf individuals. And so we worked together for a year. I wanted, you know, it was her first experience creating a bill or you know editing a bill. It was my first experience. So we worked with the Kansas Commission on Deaf and Hard of Hearing, um, and we worked with some different stakeholders. Uh, we brought that bill to the Senate. Health Committee. We made some good amendments and now it's on the Senate floor. So I'm excited because I think that's what this is all about is... You know, I'm here to represent constituents and this was a constituents hope and we got to walk through it together. So that's been really special. I'm also excited and health. There's some things about access to care. So, uh, one of the bills is called point of care testing. And so think about how right now you can go to the, um, pharmacist and get your, uh, flu shot. Uh, a lot of years ago, they couldn't do that. You had to go to a doctor's office. And so by allowing that, it's a lot more people to get the flu shot. Um, and you can Right now you can go there and you can get a test for a UTI infection or strep. And so what this would allow is for some of those really uh, pretty more simple, very highly effective tests like strep, you could do that, get the test, find out you have strep, and then get your um, medicine at the same time rather than, okay, now you have to go to the doctor prescription, and come back to the pharmacist. So in my opinion, it, it provides access to care. All the different partners have worked together on it. So that it's um, it seems to be something that everyone's cooperated on, which is also always a win. Yeah, sure. um, so I'm excited to see that go through as well.
0: Very cool. Well, it's, you know, that's why I had seen that bill on uh, the calendar about changing the terminology related to, to hearing impaired and didn't realize that was the one that you were working on. So that's, that's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Well, good deal. You know, as we wrap up, of course, this, this is Ballots and Brews. We always have to ask after uh, a, a tough day working at the uh, the legislature, what, what is your favorite beverage to unwind with at the end of a hard day?
3: Uh, so I'm very often a water, which is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I make up for it with desserts. But if I were to get... a uh, I beverage. I probably do like a, a lemon lemon drop martini or something like that
0: way to keep it classy (laughs) oh that's awesome they tell there's lots of good places to get some of those uh, martinis downtown so you've got good options there
3: yes oh I have to share I ran into the leadership Manhattan group last night in the Cyrus Hotel and they're all so impressed with what's happening in Topeka so oh that's awesome I know I was I thought oh that's great we want to spread the good the good news
0: absolutely yeah for sure there's a lot of good things going on that we want people to know about so it's awesome yeah well Kristen Thanks again for hanging out with us tonight. Thank
3: you. I appreciate you staying tuned and helping use this platform to help people stay educated. And we always want to hear from constituents. So shoot, shoot your emails my way.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, for those folks listening, we'll of course, be sure to share information across all of our social media platforms as well. Uh, so go ahead and stay tuned. After the break, we'll wrap things up like we always do with our take action moment of the night. So you are listening to Bounds and Brews here on KSA 75 Live Radio. All right, folks we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up tonight like we always do with our take action moment for the night um, you know one thing we actually haven't talked about um, yet is the fact that this month is Black History Month uh, which is something that, um, that deserves to be uh, celebrated and recognized in our community and so we want to encourage you uh, to, to take part in those particip- those celebrations in, in a number of ways um, you know we want to encourage you to visit those sites in our community that played a pivotal role um, in the fight for racial equity and justice if you haven't been uh, to the brown First Board of Education site in Topeka, the National Historic Site. We highly um, encourage that. A, a place that you do not want to miss um, in our community. Um, we also encourage you to visit the Ritchie House in downtown Topeka. Um, that is one of the uh, lesser-known historic sites, um, I think, in the community, but it's something that is still critically important. It was actually a stop on the Underground Railroad, um, and you can learn more about the, the Ritchie family and their contributions uh, to the civil rights uh, movement, so we highly encourage you uh, to, visit, uh, to visit them them. Uh, We also want to encourage you to participate in the YWCA of Northeast Kansas' Stand Against Racism Challenge. Um, This challenge kicks off on April 4th um, and will feature 21 days of impactful challenges, such as reading an article, listening to a podcast, reflecting on personal experience, uh, and then some and all that will be available through a handy app that you'll be able uh, to download. Um, I actually got to participate in uh, this challenge last year, and it really was an incredible way um, to, to learn and to interact with others in our community. So I highly um, encourage you to check that out. You can actually go to the YWCA's website at ywcaneks.org to sign up for that. Uh, we also encourage you to uh, follow the work of uh, those different nonprofit organizations in our community that are specifically focusing on issues impacting uh, the black community and people of color. Um, So that would include groups uh, like Omni Circle, for instance, and you can follow them on Facebook, on social media to find out more about that, uh, about their work. Uh, Groups like Topeka Jump, uh, which you can also find uh, on uh, Facebook as well, doing incredible work uh, to support uh, housing initiatives and other uh, initiatives in our community. Uh, There are, a number of organizations, the Topeka chapter of the Links Incorporated, another great organization does things to support early literacy in our community and a number of other issues. I encourage you to follow these organizations. We're actually gonna link them um, on our social media um, so that you can learn more about them um, uh, as well. So we'll put all the information out there on our social media pages so you can get in touch with them. Uh, that, folks, is our show for tonight. We want to make sure, uh, if you have not already, check us out on social media. You'll find all this information we've been talking about, those links and that sort of thing we share on there. You can find us on Facebook and then on Twitter. We're just at Ballots Brews on Twitter. Um, you can also, of course, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss out on any of those upcoming episodes. Uh, so until next week, folks, uh, please, please, please stay safe, drink some good beer, and we'll see you next week here on Ballots of Brews Kisa, 75 live radio.
2: This.